This is the Business Storytelling Podcast with Christoph Trapp, available on Google, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, and other podcast channels. Want to play it on your iPhone? Just ask Siri to play the Christoph Trapp Business Storytelling Podcast, also available on Alexa. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Hey, Business Storytellers, how's everyone doing? What a day. I'm looking at my ring light. The cat is on the windowsill and he's just, I'm just seeing him jumping on my desk in a minute. Um, today, I got the guests already on the screen with me. And here's the reason why, guys, because as you might imagine, it is so much work to get all these graphics on the screen and everything working. And I don't know if I could have done it to keep them in the green room for any longer. Plus, we have a great discussion planned. Today's guests, Vicki McLeod and Angela Crocker, we ran across each other, I'm pretty sure, on Twitter. Is that correct, ladies? Yeah, Christoph, you connected with me on Twitter for this, but I think we met at social media camp in Victoria a few years ago. Oh, my goodness, yes. Was that is a few years ago. I think it was I, rem I remember those times when we actually got to leave, not just the country, but also our homes. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant times. <laughs> and we remember them also, which is good, right? <laughs> yeah, to, to an extent. Oh, definitely, definitely appreciated Victoria. I mean, beautiful area. And do you live up in that area or where do you guys live? Um, I live in Nanaimo, which is just north, about an hour north of Victoria on Vancouver Island in, in British Columbia in Canada. And I live about an hour and a half away by ferry. I'm in Metro Vancouver. Awesome. By uh, traveling by ferry. And actually, when I was out there, now we're totally going down a rabbit hole here. But when I was in Victoria, I took a, um, what do you call them? The, the um, water planes around mm -hmm. the area. Um, mm -hmm. That's not what they're yeah. Um, super beautiful area. But we want to talk about your book. And we got that link at the bottom here where we are on Amazon. That's the featured item currently. Hopefully people will check it out. Um, and then, of course, everywhere else it's linked as well in the show notes and the mm -hmm. podcast version. Same thing. Digital Legacy Plan, a guide to the personal and personal life before you die. Now, here's why I find this topic so fascinating. Because if I die today, and, and hopefully I won't, but mm -hmm. if I yeah, blog posts, my podcast, they're still publishing for weeks to come. So tell me about, you know what I mean? Because it's scheduled. And <laughs> yeah. so tell me about the book. What prompted the book? What do we have to know? And, you know, why is this an important topic? Vicki, why don't you start? Okay, well, I'll, I'll start. We, you know, I, I just love how you opened, Christoph, because it's so true, right? We have these identities that live online, and they are our real selves. I mean, it is our these are our lives that we're portraying online and that we're living and, and working. At the same time, it is not It's a real over time, our digital footprints have expanded exponentially. Whether or not you do business online, you still have likely a very large digital footprint. And Angela and I are both writers, and I wrote a book called Untrending in 2016, and I talked about the notion of legacy. And my aim in that book was to ask people to be more mindful about social media and consider that what they were posting was a form of, liter of, of um, legacy, that it could be looked at as sort of digital archaeology that people would look back on in future time to be really conscious and mindful about it. And at, around the same time, Angela wrote a book called Declutter, uh, Managing Your Digital Footprint and Considering It Again from the Point of View of Legacy. 
So when the opportunity came to do this particular book, it seemed sort of a natural fit for us to do it together based on both of our previous work in the space. So, Angela, you want to speak to why we think it's important? Why is it an important topic? Well, we, we uncovered it as an important topic, certainly from my perspective, coming from the declutter your data, digital decluttering realm. The very small section I put in that book around digital legacy was one of the hot topics. Uh, and people were really curious about that and worried about it and wondering about it because this notion of becoming a digital zombie or digital litter was really disconcerting for them. You know, what happens to all of your information and essentially your reputation when you're no longer there to manage it? Personally, that's of concern. And then, of course, you extend that further and you look at businesses like yours, Christoph, where you know you have a body of work that is revenue generating. How do you bequeath that in a way that you can pass on the information, the legacy, and, and move forward with that income stream still supporting your business, even if you're no longer there? It's a quite a, a complex and intricate process to figure out, well, where do we want to stand? What what matters to us? And for some people, nothing matters. And for other people, everything matters. And most people are somewhere in the middle, of course. That's I think that's usually the answer to everything, right? It's never usually as black and white as, as I might think it, it is. So you have like a number of different areas here to think about, though, right? So you hinted at you have the personal side of things. So it's like, my banking and my iTunes songs or whatever, you know, some of those things. And that's not necessarily public facing, but if my wife, she can, but if she can get into the bank account for some reason, or that's a bad example, but some bill that I pay and she doesn't pay, right? That could be a problem. And then on the other side, we have some of the publicly facing things like our social media, which in my case, I jokingly, right, said that they would keep going for a couple of weeks until all the scheduled stuff runs out. Um, so so wh where do you see the biggest need? Is it on the personal side or is it the public side of things? I think it's very, I'll, I'll start Angela and then maybe you sure. can chime in too. Um, I think it is very individualized. You know, not mm -hmm. everyone is running an online business and, and very often if a big component of your business is online, you would have taken care of that as part of succession planning for your business, perhaps as part of overall estate, business and estate and strategic planning. Um, however, if you're a small online business, you may not have even thought about it yet and not even be considering, for example, even something as simple as having an online community that you serve. Perhaps you have a Facebook group and what happens to that group of people who are not only following your work, but also attached to you personally. They will actually experience uh, grieving when, you, when you're gone or if you're in a gaming community where your avatar is a big part of that in a social sense. So there's this side of it that's around our personal identity and the things that we're doing online uh, in, in that environment and more so than ever, of course, now that we're in, in pandemic times. And then there's the side of it that has to do with our professional and our professional legacy, our professional lives and leg legacy. So what do we bequeath? And one of the aspects that really interests me in, in the book and when we were researching it is just the way that the norms and etiquettes for death and dying are changing in the 21st century, which we could think of as a more personal side how do we mourn? Um, how do we memorialize for that matter? But then there's also the very practical side that you're pointing to. Um, obviously, your wife would have access to your bank account, but she might not know your password for Dropbox. And that might be where you keep all the personal family photos, for example. Well, in those personal connections, I'll just build on what Vicky's been saying. The personal things that happen when someone dies are actually some of the most detrimental things to unraveling their digital life. 
Uh, upon death, our credit cards are canceled, so any ongoing payments to support our digital accounts are no longer being fulfilled. And if you don't pay those bills, those accounts are closed immediately. Uh, people often will also cancel a mobile phone. We don't need to pay for that mobile phone anymore, forgetting that that number is attached to the two-factor authentication that many people are turning on for their mm -hmm. online accounts. And so if the password is somehow missing, well, without the mobile phone and the ability to receive text messages, it's difficult to unlock those accounts. Uh, and privacy legislation really comes into this with our personal uh, online lives. Uh, we have asked as a society for a lot of privacy protection. Uh, so the government, uh, the laws as they stand in most jurisdictions at the moment, uh, are more concerned about privacy than they are about passing that, uh, whatever that is, on to the next generation. And enabling access isn't really what the business that they're in. <laughs> they're the right. It makes it really hard on your loved ones after you're gone. And to take your example as well, Christophe, you know, of course, most of us who are working in the online space have pre-scheduled a lot of our stuff. We are using automation to an advantage. Um, but that's going to have an impact also emotionally for your family. So there's it's one way it sustains your business after you're gone, perhaps. But also, what is it like for them to keep seeing and hearing you as though you are alive in the feed? That might be very comforting, but it might be very also very distressing. And this is why we really encourage people to start this conversation now have it with their loved ones and be really, really transparent and thoughtful about what it is you really want and what 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 your loved ones want, what they can cope with as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't. I, so I used to pre COVID, I used to schedule things out like a long time, like three months, really. Mm -hmm. And I used to always tell clients that as well, you know, three months is really a good time frame. Um, and I kind of cut that back to maybe two to three weeks because what happened during COVID everything changed overnight and a lot of resources really were wasted, you know, because mm -hmm. content needed to be updated. Some of it just needed to be trashed because yeah. it wasn't relevant anymore. It wasn't sensitive or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think the podcast is currently out scheduled out maybe like two or three weeks with daily episodes um, and then articles, you know, currently a little less just because I'm finishing um, my book on, on how to go live, how brands can go live. But is it, is it really a simple, maybe I'm over, I'm a journalist by trade, right? So let me oversimplify this. Is it, a, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, that's fine. We can, you can disagree with me. Is it as simple as me just giving all my passwords to my wife or putting them somewhere or how much more complicated does it get? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to put that one over to Angela in a moment, but I wanted to make a joke because when you said your next book is how, how brands can go live, I guess our book is how brands can go dead. <laughs> What's that about? How brands can go dead? What is that? Well, oh. the digital legacy planning is really <laughs> what to do with your brand, <laughs> especially if you're a personal brand, right? It really it is a big, it's a big legacy question. But actually, maybe you want to take on the question about the complexity. No, but, but really quickly, just a correction here or clarification. My book isn't about being alive. It's about going live. I do understand <laughs> I am going to have to use that. Be more alive by going live. Yes. There you go. Keep your brand alive by being live, right? Yeah. Hang out live with friends. You never know what words are going to come together. That's right. Great minds together and hearts. But to your question, Christoph, can it be as simple as giving your wife all the passwords? Of course it can. Um, but where it gets tricky is, is, is your spouse, whether it's yours or mine or someone else's, uh, are they really knowledgeable about all of the different elements of your online world? 
Uh, my husband and I both work in technology, but in extremely different ways. He doesn't use social media. He's he's not big on online streaming. He, there's a bunch of things that I love to do that are not part of his wheelhouse. And so we realized a few years ago, and part of that personal work led into Digital Legacy Plan is the book that Vicky and I wrote, uh, was to really sit down and think about, okay, well, where would what what does he mm -hmm. need to know to find my digital world? Like, would he know that I have a Square account for taking old at in-person events back in the good old days when we could do that? Mm -hmm. uh, he might not know that, and so uh, it's important to really articulate, you know, what is what is the what matters. Some things don't matter. You know, some people's Twitter feeds or LinkedIn accounts doesn't matter at all. But when there's money involved or intellectual property involved, even on a personal basis, mm -hmm. um, that's important. It's also much like at will and estate planning. We want to have conversations with our loved ones uh, in life so that we are planning for death so they don't have the stress and the worry mm -hmm. of making decisions after the fact. You know, on a more practical level, you know, when we die, hopefully we've talked with our loved ones about whether we want to be buried or cremated or some other, you know, shot into space, whatever. I make light of it, but there are people who have those wishes. Uh, online, we're going to be a little bit more complex. And so if you could talk about it in life, it just reduces the stress and takes, you know, it's a very difficult time when loved ones pass away. Vicki and I have both had recent experiences in the last few years that really informed our work in this area as we navigated things. Yeah. Uh, one of the very basic things was, you know, access to information. And uh, I, I experienced that in a very difficult way when I didn't know the password to my mother's laptop when she passed away. Uh, and eventually I had to just accept the fact that uh, and I go now, which took me several years to get to the point where I was willing to let whatever data was in that computer. I think pass. you raise a really important point as well, which is I think you know, as it can be as simple as your as your wife, as you've said, and and all the points that Angela has raised as well. It's very likely that your wife is going to be grieving you, and so we're also then tasking, in a sense, a loved one with a job that can be very, fairly detailed and fairly complex, at a time when they are probably going to find it very emotionally difficult. To deal with so we we re really recommend in the book the idea of appointing a digital steward who is not a legal it's not necessarily a legal position it's in most states and provinces it's not a legal position um, but someone who can kind of help to safeguard your digital legacy who understands what you want and who will work with a loved one like your wife who would have access to all of those passwords you can give your digital steward access as well that's a choice but that person is sort of one step removed so we've used the example in other interviews, you know, Angela and I, for a time, we were each other's legacy contacts for that reason, so that our spouses who would have all of the detailed information would have someone in their corner that could support them through the process of winnowing through, you know, essentially, you know, in my case, you know, half a lifetime's worth of, of online footprint. Uh, and, and depending on the savvi savviness level of the individual, my husband's not as savvy as Angela's husband, um, it would be a really difficult task for him. So those are the things to consider, and that's why the conversation becomes so vitally important. Yeah, it's interesting. So in Google, I think it's Google has like the legacy contact now, you know, where you basically designate, I think, somebody else who can get into your account if you don't access it for 
three months, maybe something like that, or if you're inactive. Um, interesting. How do, do you know how to, maybe a little off topic, but how does like Facebook, how do they know somebody died? Like does somebody report that and then they make it a you can set up a legacy, similar legacy contact in Facebook, and we highly recommend that you do that now while you're living. We also recommend that you have in any Facebook pages or, or accounts that you're running, especially if you're running them for any kind of corp, you know, commercial per purpose, you have more than one admin so that there's someone else who has the access. This is just a good practice anyway, regardless of life or death matters. Yeah. Um, so we really recommend that you have that. You know, what people need to be aware of is because of the, what Angela raised earlier in terms of the legalities involved and the privacy legislations, Facebook's going to require, as will most of the platforms, the same level of proof that would be required in any other estate matter. So you're going to have to have a lot of records. You're going to have to prove who you are. You're going to have to prove your relationship to the deceased, et cetera, et cetera, in order to do something as simple as close the Facebook account. Whereas if you have a legacy contact, that contact can memorialize that account right away if that was your choice or close it if that was your choice. So plan Let's build on that. <laughs> it's important to, for, for us all to get our heads around the fact that that detailed process of access and documentation and proving who you are and that you have authority over that person, the deceased person's state and, and their, their legacy, you repeat that process for every single account. Now I'm above average. I have about 400 online accounts because of research and various things that I've done over the years. Um, but even a, a just a, in our everyday lives, most people have 20 or 30 accounts. So to go through the effort and work to to prove that identity and that authority with every single one individually uh, is just such a burden on our loved ones when they're grieving us after we've gone. Yeah, the other thing I was interested in the comment you made about um, there's different levels of what matters, right? Mm -hmm. And yes. so, for example, my wife's Instagram account. Well, I, I don't need access to that. She doesn't even use it. She uses it to look at stuff, right? No reason to have access to it. Um, and then I'm thinking about all the accounts I have every once in a while, you know, I try to do something and I'm like, it says, oh, this email is already registered and I got an account two years ago or something. So, but that's interesting how, like, I'm just trying to put myself in my wife's shoes. Um, she might say for a change, haha, but <laughs> you know, uh, like how would she even know what's important? Like, how would she even, like, how do you even start? I mean, do you have to just have that conversation say, here's what's like important, here's what's not important or? Yeah. That's um, a great start. I mean, first yeah. of all, because the Instagram account um, might not be something that you're that interested in right now, but after she's gone, you may very well want to have access to that account because it might be something that has a lot of meaning that you can see the things that were important to her. So that, I mean, I've said, I don't care if my Facebook lives on after I'm gone, but my family might care. They might like to visit it. So I'll, in my wishes, I'm saying close it. I don't care, but do what feels right to you. If you really want to keep it, then keep it. But I do think we, we do have a really good tool in the book, uh, Digital Assets Inventory. It came out of Angela's work in Declutter Your Data, her, her previous book. And it really is an opportunity to sit down and list um, your accounts, to put the passwords in, and to put your wishes. Mine's very simple. I use a basically a spreadsheet where I have the password and the username and the important information that's needed for that account. I have whether it's for personal or business. And then I just have a note. I just added an extra column to that. And I have a note that says, keep, delete, doesn't matter. You, you know, use this has money in it. <laughs> small, you know, very short instructions. And every time I add a new password or a new account, I just add it to that spreadsheet, uh, which is kept obviously encrypted on our, online, but also we have a safe where we keep a hard copy. 
um, to hopefully make it easier. We also say start today. I mean, it's a big job, but start today. Start where you are now and move forward, and then add as you have some time to do so. But there's great tools in the book. They're downloadable. There's downloadable worksheets. And um, but yeah, yeah, you need to get started. That's it's yeah. it's uh, time consuming. And, and getting started. Sorry, Vicky, I didn't mean to talk over you, but getting started can be as simple as saying to your family, I don't care. Do whatever you want. It doesn't matter to me. For some people, that it, the, everything they do online is of minimal value to them, uh, and they perceive minimal value to their heirs, and that, so they allow their heirs to decide what to do. Mm -hmm. uh, but even if you don't care, you have to have that conversation so that if they care, you can help them arrange access, you know, through you know, email, passwords, two-factor authentication, all these tools that we now use to keep our information private and safe. Mm -hmm. We had some interesting research that we did in the book that about, you know, and, and we were largely um, surveying people who have some form of online, you know, deliberate online footprint in terms of business or an online presence of some kind. And about 50% had no plan whatsoever, which really interested us because we would have thought that would have been a very a much higher number given the fact that these people are comfortable online, they're working online, and they have a lot invested in their online identities and businesses. Um, so that was a really interesting number. Um, and we did also get an average, the average person has 200 accounts. So Angela has 400, she's above average. But if you know, that, that's just people that people often don't realize how in fact, large the scope of their footprint is and still they, until they sit down and start to do an inventory. Um, and then they realize, oh, there's a lot more here than I thought. And especially things that might have credit cards attached to them. Again, that important point Angela raised earlier that if when you die, your credit cards get canceled, that can mean access to really important accounts like family photo accounts that are paid for on a monthly basis or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just, just a reminder, if you're watching on Amazon Live, we have um, one, two, three, four, five books uh, from Angela and Vicky there at the bottom, and I'm seeing a couple people clicking on it. So feel free to do that. Check them mm -hmm. out, um, different topics, uh, declutter your data, effective communications, content planner, uh, and IoT. That's always an interesting topic, too. Yeah. And um, we really appreciate it because, you know, it's been hard on writers, the pandemic. It's been hard for publishers releasing books during the last, I had two come out last year or 2020. So Support your local writer. That's what I like to say. <laughs> we thank you yeah. very much. <laughs> you, your local bookstore. Too bad. No, no argument here. And, and certainly it has changed how, how we market books. Last year I was supposed to go on a little bit of a book tour mm -hmm. and nothing happened, right, because of the pandemic. And then this year, this year's book, uh, it's a very different plan. How to, you know, those kind of things and there's a couple articles and, and whatever. Um, so... But what's interesting is how, like, so if I were to, we were talking about sharing passwords and I'm thinking I, sh I change my passwords all the time. How do I, maybe I have to set up like a one pass or something with my wife or something like that. But how do, how do people even get into accounts? I mean, is it like after the fact, if they don't have the plan, um, you know, if they don't have the digital inventory before somebody dies, I mean, is it, it has to be a pain, right? To go to Facebook. It really is. It's, it's, a huge, it's a huge amount of work to guess where accounts might be, try and, you know, try and figure out, okay, maybe the big 10 social media accounts are a good place to start. Mm -hmm. uh, but taking it deeper than that is, is really time consuming and complex. And so how do we move forward? 
Well, definitely using a password manager, like you mentioned, one pass, there's last password, there's a bunch of different tools along those lines that can be helpful. Uh, it can also be helpful to stay at least a little bit attuned as Vicky and I do in a deeper going as to add legacy contacts. Mm -hmm. uh, huge numbers of online services do not have the equivalent of a legacy contact, which Facebook and Google both currently have. Mm -hmm. And we really would predict that this is going to be an area where there will be more and more services adding this as an option. Uh, interestingly, the companies that don't address uh, any kind of death or dying or what happens when an account dies are often those associated with younger demographics where the percentage of users who are likely to pass away would be lower. Uh, but those users are going to age. And as we head into, you know, who knows, culturally might be in your 30s, your 40s, your 60s, your 80s before you think about your own end of life planning. Uh, but those old, uh, whether it's, uh, what is it, could, could it be TikTok or Clubhouse or mm -hmm. Snapchat, you know, some of these uh, accounts that are sort of generally demographically younger, those users are still going to age out. And uh, it can be a real problem for mm -hmm. families because sometimes we're not talking about a person who's lived a long, full life and has passed away at the end of their, their long, full, mm -hmm. wonderful mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're talking about sudden death, whether that's through misadventure or an accident or sadly suicide. And um, knowing how to, to have these conversations, you know, even with teenage or university age people that we are close to uh, can be awkward, but it can also be an entrance into that conversation with younger people who, who might not yet have any sense of their mortality but mm -hmm. they have a really strong connection to their online lives. Mm -hmm. Anything you'd like to add to that, Vicki? I just think, I think it's really important that we keep in mind that um, because the way that we mourn and memorialize has changed, so particularly for young people, um, it, we're, we're now in a generation where, again, where we are sort of doing a community mourning. Facebook and Twitter and these kinds of accounts allow us, whether or not we actually knew the person very well, to comfort the family uh, when someone is gone, or to get into a conversation about the death. And something we talk about in the book is really important, especially when it comes to the kind of sudden death scenario that, that Angela's laying out, that we're really mindful and really respectful. It's very, it's very easy to have an opinion on the way that someone may have died, but and even easier if you were further removed from that person. So, you know, we sort of call it grief jacking, you know, jumping onto a feed where people are perhaps uh, commenting on or memorializing or tri give, offering tributes to a friend or family member and then giving your opinion about, you know, well, I had someone who died of cancer and blah, 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 the terrible hospitals. This is an example. Or in the case of um, death, uh, drug overdoses for young people, we were releasing a lot at the time we wrote the book, uh, opioid, opioid overdoses here in British Columbia. And of course, a lot of opinions about, about that. Really, it can be really harmful and really hurtful. So we're also trying to introduce a conversation about what are the new norms and etiquettes and how do we deal with death and dying online? And you know, what does it mean to sort of haunt the Facebook feed? So you might say, well, I don't just leave my account. I don't care. But your friends might not want your friends and family might not want to be having reminders of your birthday popping up in their feed, um, kind of haunting, haunting them uh, as well. If particularly if you're um, having a difficult time at the end of life, your final posts will be there forever if you don't have a plan. And mm -hmm. that was my experiences of having a close friend uh, pass away whose last posts were really heartbreaking and terrible as she was, you know, sort of being a, you know, drug addled as a result of her treatments. Um, 
I know this would not want to be the final words that she would have had in the world, but that there they are. And they're there now because the family doesn't have the capacity to remove the account or doesn't want to. Um, so it's, there's just a lot to think about and a lot to talk about. And we find it's a really interesting intersection of time. And even I would, I would venture to say COVID is forcing us even more to think about this as we're having to have our services online. Um, so they're, they're big questions and they're, but they're the kinds of conversations we need to have in order to kind of invent together how we're going to be um, in the 21st century with this stuff. Yeah, services online. I mean, crazy, crazy times we're in. I mean, mm -hmm. no, no doubt. Um, so for the record, my birthday on Facebook, I turned that off a few years ago. And I, I love people talking to me, but you know, when you have like, I don't know, a few hundred birthday comments and wishes as nice as they're meant, but like I couldn't get any work done. You know, I got in trouble at work. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I didn't get in trouble, but so I just <laughs> turn it off. Nobody gets my notifications and a few people still say thank you. Anyway, <laughs> we don't have to go down that rabbit hole. But that's another How good tip, right? Like it's a great, another one to think about. Like, do you need to have that? And if you don't, then turn it off and that'll be one less thing later. Right, right. And I do know for a fact, a lot of people Google that. How may, how do you respond to all these birthday uh, wishes? What's the, the mm -hmm. correct etiquette? Interesting. Um, mm -hmm. How about some of those things that are licensed? So for example, I got a lot of iTunes songs, right? Mm -hmm. And in the, in the old days, let's say my grandmother or who, whoever, they would buy albums, right? And then if mm -hmm. they when they die, uh, you get the albums if you want them, right? Not that I have a player or anything like that, but right you just hand it over you own it but now there's a lot of licensing things happening right so if my itunes songs not that my wife would want to listen to them or my kids they complain when i play them in the car already so but uh but how do how do those things fit in well we we look closely at the terms and conditions you know the t's and c's that we all agree to when we sign up for these sorts of accounts and Things like iTunes or Google Play Media, those are generally licensed and the license is valid for the life of the user, mm -hmm. uh, which means when you die, theoretically, that access ends. However, there's no mechanism for them to know that you're dead. So as long as your email address is still active and you can log in or your loved ones can log in after you're gone, in theory, they can still access your, your information. Um, but it's challenging. Uh, you know, our family collection of movies and TV shows is in my iTunes account. So what does that mean for the future if I'm the first to go? And uh, figuring out how we're going to save it uh, for to pass on is a really personal decision. And I do know that there are people who continue to collect DVDs for exactly this reason, so that the body of work that they wanted to gather has, uh, has a physical thing that can be passed on as much as it's physical clutter rather than digital clutter. Uh, we also have a friend, Vicky and I, a mutual friend, uh, who I won't name because I'm not sure how he feels about us sharing this publicly, but he has a media server where he has downloaded copies of everything he has purchased online. And his son knows that all the family movie music and so on is on that, that server, that piece of hardware uh, that is in their home. And so even if access to the accounts are eventually lost, the, the MP3s, MP4s, movie files, whatever, will all still be accessible to the family, assuming they have the technical know-how to access the server. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting discussion, something I know it's hard for us to certainly think about, right? Because 
I mean, who knows? Could happen. How do we know when we die? Could be mm-hmm. could be a while, right? Or who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, so very interesting to think about it, um, and you know, use some of your strategies. Hopefully, people check out the book and use some of those worksheets. How how does that work on Kindle? Like, is it just downloadable? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a downloadable uh, link. Um, uh, which provides PDF and I, I think it's .doc, uh, Word documents, okay. which can be translated to other word processing programs. Very interesting. Thank you guys for sharing your wisdom today. Remind us, what's the what's the next book coming up? Well, I'm working on one. Are you working on one, Vicki? We haven't I talked about I'm working on something different. I'll speak to my... Sure. Well, I have one coming out in October 2021. It's called Work From Home Zone. Uh, It's a book to help employees and entrepreneurs integrate their work and their life when they are working from home. Very timely, I think. And uh, (laughs) and I'm I'm taking a bit of a departure. I'm I'm working on it. I'm about a year out with it. And also doing some uh, creative nonfiction work that I've been very lucky that I've been... um, able to obtain some some writing prizes for so I'm looking forward to leaning into that a little bit more and of course my recent book came out in June 2020 effective communications at work how to speak and write well in the modern workplace um, which is interestingly has become a textbook in a college in the United States so I'm quite excited about the possibilities for that book uh, given given the difficult launch it had in the spring of 2020 so I think that's fantastic Vicki I, I love that that's being adopted at the well, most good book news is- days right you chris again about yours (laughs) congratulations for for the accomplishments um and certainly communication in the workplace remote work i mean i as you guys know i used to travel all the time and this year i'm in this spot the only difference in what i do is i stand up which i currently do and then sometimes i sit down and sometimes I walk on my office treadmill and that's about it, right? Like I think I said to my kid, one of my kids the other day, um, I don't think I've left our town in about a week and it's not a big town, 36,000 people. So very different times um, how we know. Good luck with the upcoming books. Thanks for sharing your wisdom again. Really appreciate you guys making the time. Thank you so, Thanks so much for having us, much appreciated. You bet. Thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. Until next. Hello. Hi. Are you still there? I have a special offer for you. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. My Going Live book is now available on Amazon.com. And if you're in the United States, I'm happy to send you a signed copy, which you can order at paypal.me forward slash C-T-R-A-P-P-E. C-T-R-A-P-P-E forward slash 12. Thanks for your interest. If you're not in the United States, I can't send you a signed copy. But of course, you can order on Amazon.com.